2022 or Death Holler brought us Season 3 Slash or Pass It became the classic horror film podcast of its time Now Death Holler brings us the most shocking season ever Season 4 Dead or dead? Yeah, they're dead. They're all messed up. Imagine, if you will, that one of the hosts is absolutely terrified of zombies. So, what's the plan? Bash him in the head, that seems to work out. Now, accept the fact there is no escaping this horror. Death Holler brings back the dead. Death Holler, listener discretion is advised. With hospitality like this, you'll never want to leave. We hope you stay alive. When there's no more room in hell, the dead will walk here. Welcome back to Death Holler. I'm your host, Reverend Dr. Death. Joining me as always, my co-host, La Urena. And this is the second part of our Haitian slash voodoo zombie episode about Serpent and the Rainbow from 1988. Uh, tagline, don't bury me, I'm not dead. I That that was a cool scene. It, it's, it's one of the most memorable scenes in the movie. So yeah. It's, it, and you would think that with them knowing what's happening in their country that they would have been a little bit more, I don't know. They were all fucking scared of him though. Uh, well they were, I think they were pretty well scared of the guy who was after him though. So they knew not to fuck with that dude. Yeah, that is true. Uh, directed by Wes Craven. What? Never Uh, heard of him. Yeah. Never heard of that guy written by Wade Davis. Uh, who's actually, it's based upon his book. Uh, so a weird parallel between white zombie and this, both were based on books by, you know, guys who had white men that had traveled down to Haiti and had like this experience with voodoo zombies. Yeah. Uh, Richard, Richard Maxwell and Adam Rodman, uh, music by Brad Fidel made for a budget of 7 million. It made 19.6 million. So not too bad. Not terrible. Yeah. Not the, not the best, but not white zombie numbers, but still, yeah. I mean, it, it's there. Uh, Bill Pullman uh, plays Dennis Allen, uh, the stand-in for Wade Davis, literally, uh, who is the biologist adventurer in the story, uh, kind of a, you know, 
social virtue signaler type guy too. He's, you know, thinks he's going to got the white savior complex. He's going to save the people on the Island from their, uh, you know, tormentors that's there. Uh, Bill Pullman, of course, is known for space balls, Independence Day, he played the president in that, uh, Lost Highway, uh, League of Their Own, Wyatt Earp, and then the movie Brain Dead. He was uh, the husband in League of Their Own, the one that was out to war, huh? He was. Yeah. I couldn't remember who he was. I was like, fucking a League of Their Own, what? Okay. This was his first movie, if I remember right, too. So, Holy kind of shit. interesting. They they were totally they were afraid of taking um a bet on a such a new and upcoming uh, actor, but they decided to go with him, and it I mean it turned out pretty well because I mean Bill Pullman was is a pretty good actor. I mean he really is. Uh, Kathy Tyson plays Marielle Duchamp, who is the uh, psychologist uh, Vaudun practitioner in the movie. Uh, she was in the Sandman podcast series, uh, played in the movie Mona Lisa, and she in the movie Priest. Uh, Zakes Mokay plays Dargent Petrod, who is the uh, secret police of Baby Doc and also the zombie master in the movie. And he's a fucking prick, too, on top of that. Oh, in the yeah. Movie. Uh, he was in Waterworld in the movie Outbreak. Uh, Paul Winfield plays Lucian Celine, who's the Vodun priest in the movie, the good priest that, you know, helps out uh, Alan Davis in the movie. Um, he Or Dennis Allen, I should say. Uh, he was in the Terminator, Mars Attacks. Uh, he played the president in that movie. It's funny that two actors in this yes. movie play presidents in movies about aliens attacking. That's I don't know what funny. that says, but that's truth. Or actually, no, he didn't play the president because that was uh, no, that was uh, yeah. He he played the general that okay. was uh, killed in the big scene in that movie. So, but still, you know, there's a little bit of a link there. And he was in Star Trek II: The Wrath of Khan. I thought he was Khan. Lando. I thought he was Lando Carissian. I was like, is that Lando? My husband's like, no, that's a whole completely different actor. And I was like, my bad. <laughs> You've just been proven racist by the racist. Tell proven. me, yeah, the white man told me I was racist. <laughs> uh, Brent Jennings plays Lewis Mozart, who's uh, a Vodun, uh, maker of zombie powders, zombie, kind of zombie uh, voodoo priest himself. It's He doesn't, re- it doesn't really show him making zombies, but he knows how to make the, the, yeah. the powder. And he's got like one of the bags, says he's got one of their souls. So uh, he was also in the movie Moneyball. And then we round out the cast with Conrad Roberts, who plays Kristoff who is the actual zombie in the movie. Yeah. Uh, and he was in The Mask of Zorro and The Scorpion King. Uh, basic synopsis for this movie is that uh, Dennis Allen goes down to, uh, he, he's going down to Haiti to for uh, to working for basically Big Pharma in America. He's Canadian, but he's working for Big Pharma. He's going down to Haiti to try to find out how they make the zombie powder, what's in it, you know, because they want to use it for whatever purposes they have. They claim that it's to help people, but, you know, it's big pharma. It, yeah. It could be any fucking thing. And while he gets down there, he gets kind of tied up in the the social politics going on, on the island because it's the last days, and I'll get into the history of all that, of uh, Baby Doc, um, who was like a tyrant that run the island. There's a, I mean, the movie begins with basically showing the unrest in the island. There's like yeah. people in the streets shooting fucking guns off. I mean, it's a, it's a bad time to be there. Complete and um, utter dictator. Yeah, and then uh, Petrod plays like one of his secret police, one of the guys who basically keeps control of the region or a particular region for him. 
and uh and in the process of trying to find out the zombie powder uh he gets in he he, he kind of becomes att- attracted to the psychologist uh, uh voodoo uh, practitioner Marielle uh he tries to uh he he tries to help her out and uh and even though he's been warned several times get the fuck off the island you're getting we don't want you here and he fucks up a little too often uh, and actually gets controlled by Petrod at one point, and whenever and he has to come back to the island, even he, even if he doesn't want to, and uh, he gets buried, and basically becomes a zombie at one point in the movie. So it's yeah, he gets some shit happen to him. Um, history that ties into this. So from the 1950s to 1971, Haiti was ruled by Francois Duvalier, who was named Papa Doc. He was Baby Doc's dad. Uh, by all accounts, he was awful. He violated human rights. He had his own secret police, and the island just suffered rampant poverty. Like, if you wasn't one of his people, you were dirt poor. You were living just, uh, I mean, third-world country stuff. Yeah. From 1971 to 1986, uh, the country was taken over by his son, the one that's portrayed in the movie, Baby Doc, who was Jean-Claude Duvalier, and he basically ran the country in the ground. Fuck. His dad at least kept the country like under his thumb. Uh, it, things just fell apart under Baby Doc. He couldn't handle so it. So wait a it. second. And they pe- chased out, you know, the the first one, uh, the main guy, but they didn't think to get rid of any, not get rid of, but at least chase away any chance from. Well, I don't know. I don't think they got rid of Papa Doc. I think he maybe died or, or whatever, maybe passed on his rule to his son, and then his son got ran out of the country is what happened. Oh, so okay. In the movie, you're seeing Baby Doc, like, being, you know, drove away. It's okay. like people are trying to kill him. Uh, so in the 1980s, this is a big thing. This is where we talking, where I was joking about the backdoor stuff about Haiti. Uh, Haiti was uh, blamed by the U.S. Uh, as being the reason that the AIDS epidemic was spreading so heavily because it was stated that the island promoted sex tourism for American homosexual men, and this wasn't corrected uh, by the CDC until 1985. They went a whole, like, five years of spreading this bullshit, okay. saying that, oh, yeah, AIDS is real bad down there, and it's uh, they're spreading it to the gays. They're coming up here and spreading it. That's bad territory. So people avoided Haiti like the plague uh, for good reason. I mean, they thought they were going to die because they didn't know what AIDS was. And um, by the time that the CDC actually corrected all that, it was too late. They Damage had already been done. Yeah, yeah. It, like, it's like, okay, guys, the CDC could have just done this. Look, we made a mistake. This is where our data came from. We thought we knew what was going on. It was not the gays. It was not men having sex with men. It was people having sex with monkeys. <laughs> That's all. No questions. Uh, you know, do you want to know? I mean, I, I hate to be political about this, but I have to say this. Do you know who was uh, who was over the the U.S.'s uh, epidemiology at that time and made all these uh, let all these things get out there? Kamala Harris. Uh, Anthony Fauci, if you've oh, ever heard of that name. Oh, Dr. Truth and Science? Yes, and uh, he was also at the time, uh, he actually came out and said that if you were even in the same household as someone with AIDS, by the mere properties of being in the in the same area as them, you too could catch it, uh, you know, just being around them. So What a loser. Uh, did he yeah. ever, ba- did he ever, like, walk back that statement? Did he ever say he was wrong? 
uh, he never said he was wrong, but he did say that the 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 science had changed, even though oh. science doesn't change according Sci- to him now. <laughs> I, I just want to throw that out there for anybody. I mean, just to, to give you a, an example of history repeating itself. You know, personally, I think Anthony Fauci looks like a zombie. So, <laughs> right. hey, he. He was probably the one that spread this about Haiti. I mean, let's just throw it on him. I mean, you know, he's probably he didn't the back, one. Yeah, he didn't. He didn't back it down. He didn't say that it was wrong. I mean, he let it be put out there. So he probably was the one that was literally spreading it in Haiti. <laughs> he probably spreading was. his butt cheeks and spreading the rumors. <laughs> Uh, as baby docks regime collapsed, the U.S. government became interested in the island again, just like they did in the, you know, Shocker. 1915. Yeah. Uh, they This time, they claimed they were fearful that the amount of refugees that were leaving the island for the U.S. Uh, were too high and were going to cause issues when they came to shore. Uh, they said that the human rights uh, abuses were too numerous and too terrible not to intervene about. Oh. And they claim, and, and here's the kicker. Cocaine was being distributed through the through Haiti to the U.S. according to the U.S. government, uh, so they used that as an excuse to go occupy the island again. Um, it wasn't cocaine; <laughs> it was death powder. Calm down. <laughs> um, but to be fair, and I'm not being fair; I'm just saying uh, it took until the '90s when Bill Clinton got in office before they officially got involved with the island like heavily, like they did in the 1915s. But I'll get to that in a second. So, anyways, in 1986, Canadian ethnobiologist Wade Davis was actually sent to Haiti by an American pharmaceutical company to find the recipe for zombie dust to see if it had any medicinal uses. They claimed for an anesthesia or a way to induce suspended animation in astronauts. I don't trust Big Pharma for that to be what they were actually trying to study it for, but that's what they claimed. We'll go by that. So, anyways, these are supposed to be like sensationalized. This movie is a sensationalized version of his actual novel that he wrote about his time on the island, which he called The Serpent and the Rainbow, hence the movie title. Yeah. In the 90s, Bill Clinton got heavily involved, used the U.S. military, very similar to what we did in 1915, and took over Haiti, uh, or occupied it at least. And it was around this time that the U.S. uh, media once again got interested in the island and we got a bunch of voodoo movies coming out. This was one of them. They got greenlit. So another case of history repeating itself. U.S. gets involved in the island. We're like, hey, that's a weird place. Let's make some movies about it. And you get movies. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It's it's a weird... It's a weird thing. I don't understand like why we did this, but uh, but we did, and, and there were several movies that came out from it. And uh, and actually, after that, there was a lot of hoodoo movies that came out, like <gasps> the Skeleton, Skeleton Key, you know, wow. that came out after that. Um, I what as far as this movie goes, I didn't like pull up any <laughs> quotes or whatever because a lot of the movies just like you know fighting and you know amongst like Wade Davis and you know uh, the people on you know at least uh, Patriot and that sort of thing. Uh, what did you think about visually this movie? Like, what did you think about it? Um, visually, it looked like a film from the eighties, but I think that given better quality in terms of cinematography. It would have been gorgeous because he's in a jungle-like setting at the beginning of the movie, fucking petting a baby, certified good girl, baby, baby. What was that? A, a little? No, it's not a cougar. Was it? Was it a tiger? 
was, I thought it was a jaguar. Jaguar. So oh, he that he did say it was yeah. jaguar. Jaguar. I don't know why I pronounce it that way. Sorry, but um, yeah. I'm probably pronouncing it wrong. I don't know. That's why I always say it though. So yeah, it sounds the, the way that you you say it sounds like the way it's spelled. I literally say it with a wire at the end, and there is nothing in that ending of that that sounds like wire. Looks like well, wire. The British say it a weird way. They call it jaguar. Jaguar. <laughs> There's hey. that too. <laughs> Oh, God. But, you know, um, the scenery was intended, even Haiti, um, even though they're te- technically in the slums of Haiti, it's, it, it's gorgeous. They're, it's literally Oceanside, so. Uh, there's one, there's a couple scenes in the movie that kind of show off the, the how beautiful the island is. That one scene um, where they're going in the pro- processional to, like, I mean, they're, they're, they've got the candles and they're, you know, and they're going out into the jungle and they're walking past, like, the... Uh, kind of like the ruined you know buildings or whatever yeah. and then there's the jungle that's a pretty pretty cool scene like yes. there's a, there's a lot of interesting stuff going on visually there there's a, other scenes though where they show how just rotten and yes. trashy it can look too and yeah that and i mean it's a fair thing to show both of them because haiti is i mean it's it's dude i mean everything involved i mean being cut off from the rest of the world through you know like embargoes and I mean, all the revolutions that they've had that kind of like, you know, being unstable, it, it's got some rough parts. I mean, yeah. if you go down there on like a cruise, there's like very specific spots are like, hey, you can go here. Don't go away from this area, please. You'll die if you do, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think that this movie visually told a story, too. Like if there were not many more words, like if they had taken away some of the dialect in this movie, I think that the movie just visually alone could have told a lot of the story. Um, yeah, there, the dream sequences, which is funny, mm-hmm. Wes Craven. I mean, yeah, dreams. Uh, but the dream sequences are pretty fucking good in this movie. Yeah, like the one where like where he's falling. Like, I mean, it, it's oh, kind of yeah. symbolizes some stuff later on in the movie. But when he first has that vision with the jaguar, and then like he falls under the ground, I mean, that's clearly foreshadowing that he's going to be buried alive. I mean, yeah. but it's. It's got those hands reaching out, like the dead bodies, or you know, like reaching out to him, and he grabs one of them. Yes. Um, and then the scene later on where uh, Petrod, who's in actually in his dreams, kind of like a evil Freddy Krueger type character, uh, is uh, burying him alive or whatever, and and that's interesting because he sees himself being like, you know, basically put into a coffin or whatever at that point, you know, and, and all that. It's weird because at the beginning he's in um, South America. And um, yeah, it's well, I thought that it was actually he was in another part of Haiti at that point, because doesn't he run across Petrod and, and or he, I, I thought that he saw Petrod at that point. Like he in did. Passing. And then that's later on, it's like they, they happened upon each other again, you know? It's well, they like, were speaking Spanish, and they, they looked like Native American Indians, so I'm not sure what, because Noah's like, I think they're in, I thought they were in Haiti, Noah said no, they're in South America, but regardless of where they were, even if they were in a different part or whatnot, they he was being helped. He was being given an opportunity to experience some things. He was basically given a drug. Uh, he was high on shrooms or something. That's why he thought he was wrestling with the with the sweet baby girl, uh, certified good girl jaguar. She's just a little kitty kitty. Um, that, that is true, yeah. 
And then then it goes away and all of a sudden something bad happens and he goes to check on the shaman. That's what I'm calling them. I'm not saying it was a shaman, but that's what it looked like. And he opens up their, you know, they're, they're kind of hiding within their uh, whatever they're wearing. And he opens it up and it's, what's his name? The, the guy from Haiti. I can't remember his name again. Patron. Yes, Patron. So, and um, I'm like, I didn't understand it because I'm like, why is he seeing this guy? This guy's not scary. He's just black. I mean, despite of how you feel when you're walking down the street, you know, <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> this is just this black guy. Why did it go from being almost a Native American Indian to this African American man? And then later on we see him and I'm like, how did he see him before he saw him? It, well, that's one of the criticism that Wade Davis actually has about this movie is he says that whenever they were trying, cause Wes did try to stick to the actual book more, mm-hmm. but then the studio came back and said, Hey, you need to uh, horrify this. You need to uh, play it up, you know, put supernatural shit in there. Yeah. So that could have been, that could have been like, and, and, and also, uh, Davis didn't get involved in any of the politics in the Island. So that was, that was, uh, uh, yes. Wes's, that was that was Wes's ad. So, because I mean, Wes really was intrigued by the politics going on at the time. So he really yeah. heavily dumped that in there. So I'm sure that him seeing Patriot at that point was like a supernatural way of him like seeing like his future adversary. And it's more like a fictional thing that he added into the movie just for that. Okay, that purpose, so that know? makes sense. Um, it wasn't explained very well, and it's hard to infer that immediately. I mean, towards the end, you're like, oh well, we know because. You know, P- Patron is like, oh, well, you know, I'm the reason you can, you jumped about this. That was me. I did that. Okay, supervillain, we get it. But at the same time, you normally don't, supernaturally speaking, if we're going to enter that realm, you normally, somebody normally doesn't get to have that kind of control or acceptance into you unless, one, you've allowed them to, or two, you've been within some area of their being very close to them, like at their house or something like that, you know, where now you have, it's more of the, the veil is a lot thinner. So again, it's hard to infer that just based off of what we saw, what you said makes sense. But like I said, it's very hard to kind of just come up with that on your own. Yeah, it's, 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 Again, it's playing into the fact that he saw a true vision Mm -hmm. that he's like seeing the future is the way they paint it. And then what happened at the beginning of the movie where his pilot was just dead in the the helicopter? Now now that I don't understand. I don't know why the pilot was already dead unless that was a symbol that like they killed him while he was having his vision. And he was like, I got the fuck out of here because they're, you know, I'm next or whatever. I never could get, I never did get that out of it. Yeah, I was so confused because, okay. They, they they killed him. They looked like good people, though. Like, I don't think they were practicing anything dark, in my opinion. I think, if anything, they're just like, here, try this drug. You're going to see things, you know? Fine. That that makes sense. But his person is dead. He, I was thinking that maybe everyone else on the island might have been dead, but then he goes on the street, and there's a car full of people, islanders, obviously, Um and they leave him alone, and he's crying hysterically in the middle of the road, or laughing hysterically, however you think you hear it. And then he was, it sounded like laughter to me, but it yeah, did. It could have it could have been either way. Yeah, and then all of a sudden, ten seconds later, in America, 
No big deal. No explanation of what happened other than something darker than such and such is what caused the deaths of the people on this island. And I'm like, okay. Like, literally, that's how it was explained. If you're having a hard time understanding what I'm saying, well, that's because this is how it was presented to me. Yeah, it's very jumbled up at the beginning of the movie. I mean, it it, it gets way better once he actually gets into Haiti yes. and, like, they start doing the stuff. And, and it's the interesting, to me, the most interesting parts of the movie is whenever he goes and he sees the 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 asylum with the zombies in inside of it, you know, because they're not just like, you know, workers out in the field anymore. Now we moved up in time. They're actually trying to treat the people, trying to convince them they're not dead. Uh, it's an interesting view on the whole thing, you know, that, you know, how times have changed. And then the, and then seeing him deal with uh, Mozart, because like there's an antagonistic relationship to them whenever they first meet. And it, and even at the end of it, they're they're kind of only half friends. Like they're they're not really like in each other's, uh, you know, they're not really buddy buddy, but they're they respect each other toward the end of the movie. You yeah, know? like they they get that. And then the scenes with uh, the other uh, voodoo practitioner or whatever, the one that gets killed or whatever, like yeah, the, the Lando the guy, like yeah. <laughs> Lando, as you said, or Carl Weathers. That's what I thought of whenever I saw him <laughs> as far as like stand in. But um, like he's whenever he's like he gets attacked and he has like a stroke or something and just dies right then and there, you know. Yeah. Um, those are the interesting parts of the movie for me, like later on whenever he's doing all that. And then, of course, like the, the what did you th- well, I mean, what did you think of the scene with the actual zombie in the movie? Because there's there's the there's there, there's Kristoff and that's interesting too in its own way because like he he's still convinced he's that he died like yeah. that he was brought back and but he's a living man but the scene in particular I'm talking about is the zombie like he's he has that dream where after they have that processional out into the forest and there's that one uh the the decayed body of that yes. sorceress or whatever which is another dream that he has of the future because he that's actually the body that uh, Mozart actually uses to make the zombie powder out of. Yeah, that was very interesting. Um, she And it's weird because she's so menacing, but she's there to help. Yeah, and like the the hand comes out and like doesn't it go down his throat or something like or or whatever like uh, I don't remember if it goes down his throat, but it definitely extends out and fucks him up. He wakes up, obviously. Um, but every time she's been there it was to warn him of danger yeah it's true it was actually every time because there was actually a snake or something that was crawling over him at that time wasn't there like in in reality doesn't he wake up and there's a a snake by him or or was that still in the dream i can't remember now uh you got me fucked up because now i don't remember that there there's a snake crawling over him in the forest like at some point either before or after that zombie attacks him you know in 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 his dream God, I, I complete. I, I guess I missed that. Um, yeah, I, I don't remember which one it is. It would make and sense. Like he, as, uh, that would make the part of the serpent in this fucking film. Well, yeah, it was. It was definitely in there. I mean, I just don't remember how it landed. Um, there, there was a couple. There was a couple things I want to bring up as far as quotes because I found them here. Uh, Petrod, uh, in particular. 
by the way, Dr. Allen, when did you, uh, what did you dream about this afternoon? A woman in your arms, the sea at your doorstep? No, you dreamt a man of the grave. I know because I was there and I can be there every time you close your eyes. The pain I caused you in the room upstairs is nothing compared to the pain I can cause in your own mind. Remember that, Dr. Allen. Um, <clears throat> that's fucked up that when he wakes up from that dream, there's a dead woman's head in his uh, Oh, yeah, it. that's fucked up. And it was the zombie sister. It was, and uh, it was a way to set him up so that they could, uh, you know, basically do whatever they wanted to extra, you know, judicially, basically, at that point. Uh, and then w- the scene where he gets his scrotum stabbed oh, in the movie. Yeah. Ouch. <sighs> yeah, that one was rough. Uh, Patron, no, 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 no rest. You see it all. You feel it. The cold in the coffin. It is worse, much, much worse. That's what he says to him before he, as he, he knows that he's still awake from the zombie powder, but he can't move or do anything yeah, about it. That's fucked up. Uh, and then the scene where he, where he's strapped to the chair about to be tortured. And he's like, I'm a U.S. citizen. Think about that. And then Petrod's like, I don't see an ambassador here. Do you? Ooh, yeah. I loved that. Yeah. That, that was so true. It's like, bro, you are fucking playing with fire. <laughs> And then one last thing I'll bring up as far as the quotes, because I love this quote in the cemetery. That was uh, that scene I did like, the whole scene where they're looking for Kristoff. It says, uh, and it was from Marielle. She's like, the way Dr. Schoonabacher spoke of you, it was as though you could walk on water. Well, now I know why. Shit floats. Because he, like, you know, talked down to her and basically uh, pissed her off at that point. She's walking away from him. Yeah. That was a pretty good little scene, yes. you know, between the two of them. Um. Yeah, the story, I I actually enjoyed the middle section of the movie quite a bit. The first was disjointed, like we talked about. Yes. The middle I liked whenever he was trying to, you know, get the zombie powder, and then he's forced off the island. But then whenever it starts, like, I don't know how I feel about the end of it, especially the scene where it gets all, like, freaky, deaky, supernatural shit toward the end where, like, spirits are flying out of those bags or whatever, and they're attacking Petrod. Yeah. It's a little, it's a little much. It, it is a little it, much. Um. Because at the beginning of the movie, it says based on true events. And I said probably grossly, like, you know, exaggerated. And in the middle of the movie, I can believe happened to some extent. I yeah. mean, even if Wade, even if Davis saw some of those visions, you could still believe somebody can have these dreams. Oh, whatever. 100%. That's not a big deal. Fucking I've had shit <laughs> dreams like that. I hate it. So, uh, yeah. But. But then the end part where he has to go back to the island, that was all bullshit. Like, yeah, I mean, it got a little too much. I mean, the chair was funny more than anything. Yeah, as it was moving, trying to take him out or something at yeah. one point. And, and him flying through the walls, like he's just flying at him like an actual sorcerer. Like that was... He's flying at him. There's one scene where he punches Davis and like sends him flying through the wall too. It's like, dude, this he's not Superman. How does he have strength like this? Oh, another thing that was funny too though, but looked actually real bull Bill Pullman fights like a fucking girl. His punches <laughs> were absolutely fucking horrible. We're talking about pulling all the way back and swinging all the way and like swinging like you're hooking in versus punching straight. That was Oh, my God. That was awful. Yeah. The only thing that kind of, well, I mean, it still doesn't save it. But uh, if you think of this guy as like a book smart, like, you know, uh, I mean, which Wade Davis has to have had some kind of like street smarts, too, to be able to work his way into this, you know, culture. So he wouldn't have been totally like, um, excuse me. You know, yeah. He wouldn't have been that type. 
But, I mean, you take a guy who's mostly like a, uh, who's not like William Seabrook, who's not out there, you know, fucking beating women and, you know, uh, eating flesh or human flesh, who's actually just more of like a guy who's like a, a you know, a, a bookish type. He probably doesn't know how to really fight. I mean, to be Oh, honest, yeah. I that mean, would make sense. But it probably wasn't as exaggerated as they made it out in the movie to be. Yeah. Um, what do you think about the acting in the movie? I, I feel like everybody did their part. Now, Petrod's like way out there in his acting. Yeah. Uh, but I feel like he's supposed to be the over-the-top villain, so it fits for him. Petrod works, and so do his henchmen, um, Bill Pullman, uh, the actress that plays almost like his love interest. Um, I really mm-hmm. liked her, especially for the country that they're in. I thought she was great. She's also gorgeous. Gorgeous, I mean, yes. She is a beautiful woman, but uh, uh, he de- she definitely gave him jungle fever. <laughs> uh, Mozart was my favorite in the movie. Yeah, I, I like the. I just like the arc that he went on in the movie. I like what the and the actor did a really good job of that. Like you know, because uh, there's that scene where David. That my favorite scene in the movie was where Davis was calling his bluff. And he said, uh, if that's zombie powder and, you know, a little bit supposed to do so much, then I'm just going to fucking eat all of it right or drink all of it right now. And Mozart's like, the, what the fuck are you talking about? Yeah. And he just, he pours it out and he drinks it, but it's because he's did the sleight of hand mm-hmm. and he, and he actually pocketed the real stuff. That was, that was smooth. I liked all that. I thing. liked that. That, was, that was really good. Yeah. I mean, <sighs> I'm trying to think of anyone else. I mean, Lando was, Lando didn't, I wasn't really buying Lando as the fucking, uh, like another voodoo doctor, really. He was too. He was, he, he was, t- he was a little bit too nice. Yeah. A little bit too, um, a little too outgoing with the, the, you know, the, the white, you know, yeah. uh, guy or whatever. I don't feel like they would be that Mm-mm. interested in sharing their, their knowledge to somebody like that. I mean... Yeah. And in terms of Mozart, he was like, you're going to tell everybody about me, right? Everybody's going to know my name. Uh, you're going to tell them about me. And I'm like, I don't feel like somebody doing what he does wants people to know who he is. I feel like that's a dangerous game. I was weird. I was worried thinking the same thing. I'm like, okay, I can see him wanting the fame to get his name out there as being the ultimate zombie, you know, master. But at the same time, it's like, dude, do you want a target on your back? Because yeah. everybody's going to be after you. They're after you already. You've already got red flags hanging over your head. Like, you don't want this. <laughs> it, it was an interesting thing to his character. I was just like, I don't know that he would want that much target uh, that much of a uh, pinpoint focus on him after all the shit that's going down in this country I think I'm not sure if I heard it doesn't matter what school I heard but I one of the quotes I did like was when um, Bill Pullman's character said you know uh, despite his joking around um, and his nature uh, Mozart could put the average Harvard doctor to shame Oh yeah, that's that that's that's the reason I like their dynamic because whenever he sees the actual chemistry and the way that he works that that formula later on in the movie, he actually comes to uh, you know respect him on a whole new level, like a professional level, as opposed to just like you know, hey, this guy's like a you know, he he looks at him as a con man at the beginning of the movie, and then whenever he sees the process that he does, he's like, this guy works chemistry better than most of the people I went to school with, you know, basically is what it amounted to. Yeah. Um, the, the scene was a little much too in, uh, which is supposed to be one of the standout scenes in the movie for a lot of people. 
the Beetlejuice scene, as I like to call it, where they're all where the the big pharma has got weighed over and they're celebrating that they got the zombie powder and what they're going to do with it. And then he sees like the, another warning the going back to what you're saying, the, the zombie hand come out of his soup or whatever. Oh yeah. Uh, and then which that part was cool. But then the woman across from him, the, the blonde haired woman that starts having the seizure or whatever, and starts like bucking around on the table. Yeah. is is a little much is a little too out there. She, um, she fucking attacked him. So she was possessed. Oh, yeah, that's right. She was trying to stab him with that uh, one of the forks at the table. That's yeah. what was happening. And yeah. I can't help that the soup was, what's her name? The, the I, I called her the bride. She looked like she was in, you know. She looked like she was in bridal clothes. Yeah. yeah. She was supposed to be in the sorceress or whatever. Yeah. That, um, you know. she. I feel like that was a warning from her. Uh, he knew it because he was like, I'm not hungry. And I wouldn't be hungry either after seeing that decayed hand come out of my suit. <laughs> like, despite knowing something's going to happen or not. But it was almost immediate after that that she fucking jumped out. So I don't know if that hand kind of pointed to the area like, hey, by the way, this bitch right here is going to fucking be fucked up here in a minute. You might want to check yourself. Yeah. Um, she He gets that warning, but also... Uh, when she's speaking to him, it's like she, he he knows it's Petrod because like the, yes. what, what she says, it's you know that's the link between the two of them. Uh, by the way, though the uh, the sorceress when the thing comes out of her mouth, I'm looking at pictures right now. I thought it was a hand. Is it a snake? It's Is a snake. that what comes out of her? Okay, I knew it was something, but okay. I, now that you say that, it and then he wakes up and there's a snake beside of him. I think is what okay. he, is what happens. Probably, yeah. I don't remember that part, but I also didn't think it was a snake that came out of her mouth, but it was. I'm looking at it right now, and it basically French kisses him, so. Uh, yeah, that that scene is actually one of the, the better scenes in the movie as far as the horror element goes. So, I mean, yeah. it's it's that one's pretty good. Um, But, yeah, I don't um, – the thing is is that I – as far as this movie goes and the music, I mean, since we didn't bring it up, it's got, this actually has some good, like voodoo chanting. Some, it's very melodic. It's, uh, kind of puts you in a trance at times. It, it's oh, good yeah. for the setting. Lots of cultural music, a lot of drum beats and things like that. Right. And, uh, they, they actually show you a possession ceremony in the movie, uh, which yes. is interesting, uh, because Marielle gets possessed and you kind of get to see what that, what that's all about. And she turns into a whore. Yeah, she really does uh, kind of get into it at that point. Um, I don't know. I mean, I'm gonna say. I mean, I, I, this is kind of my overall thought of the movie. It's it's got a good middle portion, but the beginning and the end kind of make this just a so-so movie for me. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'd be lying if I said I didn't enjoy watching this movie. Um, I was expecting a lot more scares, but I don't want to be scared. <laughs> <laughs> like I wanted to be scared during slasher season. Uh, I don't want to be scared during zombie season and it's, I, that's super easy for me to have. So I didn't get scared during this film, but I, I enjoyed the storyline only because I'm familiar with the storyline and I've heard about it and it's very interesting to say the least, you know, you're like to this day, they don't know how that toxin works. They still don't, and and he came up with the idea that it was that tetro whatever toxin. Mm -hmm. uh, 
they they went back on that and they's like yeah we don't think that's what it, the puffer fish toxin yeah i don't think they they don't think that that's all of it you know they're they're still confused as to how like that whole zombie powder works so even after he did his research they still don't have a good grasp on it yeah um but the weird thing about it is is this film was from the 80s so that means that this was researched way before the 80s and here we are in 2023, and if you Google it, it, it does say that there's still people investigating it. Regardless of what toxin is causing it or what voodoo is causing it, they can't get to the bottom of it. Yeah, which I, I always like a little bit of mystery in life. Yes. I mean, I think whenever you explain everything, life gets boring. So it's oh. a, it's kind of good that they don't know. Yeah, so I don't know. that. I think that's why this film to me was pretty damn good. Because I was like, oh, give me more of this story. Now, yes, the ending totally threw it off for me. Even the beginning wasn't as bad with everything that the, was going the, on. You the, get the, the idea of who he is, at least. The beginning is fun in a Indiana Jones way. Yes. It, it, that's what it reminds you of. Uh, and, and so it doesn't throw me off. It's just like there's a couple things. It's like, why was his pilot dead? Uh, what? How did he get back here? But it's it's fine. The middle which is what I feel like is closer to the book for a lot of scenes, minus the political stuff going on. Yeah. Uh, I, I actually Wade, like the political stuff too, because I really think that it kind of shows this, not only dictator, but a dictator with actual power. I, I enjoyed that part of it. It's just that I know for a fact that Davis did not get involved in all that stuff. Yeah. So it, they, they threw that in. Like he, he was, he was skirting around all that stuff at the time just to get like, you know, how is this powder working? That's all he was worried about. Yeah. You know? <clears throat> um, but the end kind of, you know, the, the end took this movie for me from like being probably in the four range to dropping it back down to probably a three, to be perfectly honest. If I was giving my ranking right now. Yeah. I mean, in terms of rotting corpses, it's a, it's a 3.5 out of me. Um, because I was able to watch it. I don't think I'm going to have nightmares tonight. <laughs> so you appreciate it just because it kept you from having nightmares. Correct. And that, not only that, though, but I think that everyone collectively did a good job in this film. And telling a story that, even though it's told a lot better now on podcasts, because you don't get the whole you know supernatural aspect, I can see why for a movie, especially from the 80s, they needed to add that extra supernatural for the horror aspect of it. Yeah, I, I can understand that yeah. to a certain degree. Because I mean, otherwise well, I know, it's going to be studio... just, it's just going to be a documentary, and it's like, cool, but like, I don't see that interesting a lot of people back then. Well... The thing is, is that it was also a typecasting thing because they got Wes Craven to do it, and then they're like, you're the horror guy, do the horror thing. That you is know? true. And it was like, and, and it sucked for him because I think he really did want to make a straight-up documentary, I think, or a style of movie, you know? Yeah, but he did his usual Wes Craven. He did the dream sequence and everything. We get it, bro. We get it. We know who you are. You're the dream master. <laughs> And he works that into the movie. I mean, you know, it's one of those things. Yeah. Uh, this this is a little bit of trivia, interesting trivia about this. There was actually political. Uh, this the movie whenever it was made. Um, oh, let's see, what was the year that this came out? I can't remember. Nineteen eighty eight. Nineteen eighty eight. They were still having turmoil on the island at this point, and 
so much so that uh, the crew uh, actually uh, w- had to film around uh, uh, the uh, locations because they were, I mean, there was uh, fighting and stuff going on, so they had to be real careful about where they actually filmed at. I mean, they were filming at the time that this shit was going down. Some of this stuff was still going down, like the revolts from all I was wondering that. And it looks like they had actual footage from some of the um, protests that they put in the film. It it looks like they did. Even I don't know if they did, but Mm -hmm. that's what it looks like. They did a hell of a good job of making it look. Because usually when you see fake protests in films, you can absolutely tell, like, oh, this was just filmed, you know? Yeah, and well, and I think it helps them too. I mean, it probably helped the budget because that squalor and that kind of like trashy look that they got, that was that was there. Like they didn't have to add that, you know. Yeah. That's like we, that's like we were talking about with uh you know, Anna and the Apocalypse and filming in that abandoned shopping center. Sometimes you get locations that do all the work for you and you don't really have to do any yeah. set dressing. That is um, true. Let's see, uh, newlywed Bill Pullman's, uh, Bill Pullman was actually just married at the time that he made this movie, and his wife was an extra in the film. Uh, she appears as a blonde who pushes a long needle through a willing man's cheek at one point in the movie. Oh, wow. Um, the uh, investigations and findings of Wade Davis upon the character, uh, upon which the character Dennis Allen is based, didn't amount to a whole lot. Uh, his re- his research was dismissed mostly by his peers because while the drug tetrodotoxin, that's the one I was thinking of, that the film states has been under extensive study and was a mystery of science, was actually already well known in 85 and w- and today is u- actually used as an anesthetic. So they did actually make an anesthetic out of that portion of it. Damn. Um, uh, the ca- character of Christoph, Christoph Durand was based on a name, a man named Clarivus Narcissi, who was uh, stated to have died in 1962 and later risen as a zombie by a local Haitian witch doctor. Uh, Narcissi was found to have been uh, poisoned by a paste drug called Datura, which caused memory loss and forced him to work as a slave on a sugar plantation. He escaped 16 years later after his captors had all themselves had all died, and he had also apparently been weaned off of the Datura drug by eating salty foods containing bromide, which counteracted the poison. Isn't that interesting that actual salt uh, helped cure him of his zombieism? That's hella funny. There might be something to Get the, the salt, salt thing. Yeah. I mean, it's, I mean, it's for protection, and now it's to cure something? I mean, damn. But it, it, it counteracts the uh, poison, so yeah. it's interesting that it, that it works that way. Um, <clears throat> that person's name, by the way, is Narcisse. Well, there I you can't go. even read Sorry. it. No, 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 you're fine. I can't even read it, but you're saying it, and I'm like, oh, I know he's saying Narcisse. I just know it is. Well, I was just trying to say it as I saw it, so there you go. One hundo. Uh, let's see, uh, author Wade Davis agreed to sell the book rights on the condition that Peter Ware direct, uh, who was the one who directed, um, Picnic at uh, Hanging Rock, which is a very creepy movie and done in a documentary style. So I see why Wade Davis yeah. wanted that to be the, uh, the, the director and he wanted Mel Gibson, the star in it, which is, you know, interesting because yeah. they're both Australians, you know, Ware and Gibson, but. Of course, neither man had any involvement in the project. That would have been an interesting movie yeah. to see, though. <laughs> um, Mel Gibson. Because, 
the CD soundtrack to this film is extremely rare as it was pressed in limited quantities. Part of this was due to the uh, film's poor reception and the fact that uh, the market was uh, transitioning from LP to CD as a mass format, meaning that the number of copies is much smaller than the average soundtrack uh, album run. So That's if wild. you can find a CD of this, it's probably worth money. Whoa. Um. It says that tetrodotoxin has been known as a poison since 1774 uh, when the famous explorer James Cook ate a local puffer fish and then fed the remains to the pigs kept on board for fresh meat. Uh, The crew experienced numbness and shortness of breath while the pigs were all found dead the next morning. It was later deduced that the crew survived a mild dose of it while the pigs ate the uh, parts of the body that had the most toxin and, and the reason they died. This historical fact carries over into the film when Mozart states that the zombie drug cannot be given in food that would kill completely. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's see. Wes Craven confirmed in the interview that unlike some of his previous films, this his first cut of the film got an R rating without any issues from the MPAA. They're like, yeah, that's fine. R rating. Move on. R rate for this one? Yeah. Okay. I mean, I guess there's a sex scene in it. Well, they there's uh, you know how weird they are. It's yeah, like they, they, they got the weirdest the fucking stuff. Testicular puncture. I get that. Um, not too much blood. There is, but there isn't. I mean, there's the scene of him sinking into it in the coffin. I, I don't feel like there was a ton though. <sighs> I, I don't know their, their thinking. Maybe the, the decapitated head was what kicked it oh, over yeah. into our rating. And I it mean, looked real. It, it did look real. Yeah. Uh, when this film first played in theaters in the U.S. in the spring of 88, just prior to its opening, a bizarre excerpt from the film ran as a teaser on at least one national network television uh, channel during primetime. That clip, which styled like a hallucination, features a blue computer rendering of a screaming face of Dennis Allen, a.k.a. Bill Pullman, engulfed in liquid as serpents swarmed through and around the top of his head. However, for some unknown reason, the scene did not make it in the final theatrical cut or the you know any of the physical releases of the movie afterward. I felt like that's how, how um, trailers need to be released. Have scenes, where they where they have scenes that don't even make it in the fucking movie? Yes, because trailers nowadays are giving away all the goods. They're putting their goodies out on the buffet table. They're not keeping their goodies in a jar. And so sometimes we're seeing some of the best scenes just on the trailer, and you're like, "Wow!" In the trailer, that looked amazing, but in you know the movie, look at. I know that you're trying to get people to come watch the movie. Like I, that is not past me. But, like, you know, sometimes some of the coolest shit is in the deleted scenes. It's a good opportunity to use those without giving away what's in the fucking movie. Yeah, the only thing I have with that, though, is I remember, and I can't remember the movie, but I want to say it was one of the, it was Ace Ventura 2 is what I'm thinking of. There was a comedy movie I watched one time where there was a really funny scene in the, the teaser trailer, and then it was never in the fucking movie, and it, it disappointed the fuck out of me that it was never in the movie. I'm like, you know, I don't want the comedy spoiled, but at the same time, it was that joke was actually funnier than what was in the film. So it was like, why did you cut it? You yeah, know? I think if we had a common knowledge, though, that, hey, what you see on here is going to tell us what the movie's about, but it's maybe not actually going to, it may or may not be in the film, at least you can mentally prepare yourself for that. Yeah, I guess. It's just, it was this point whenever I watched it in the theater and I saw that, and I'm like, wait, where's that scene that they showed? Like, this would have been it right here because he's in yes. that same situation, and no, it wasn't in the movie. Yeah, that would upset me, too. Like, I, I could see myself being irked over that. 
according to uh, Fangoria article of uh, numbers and uh, Fangoria 71, the original cut of this movie was three hours long. Oh, shit. Yeah, because that's an thanks. hour and... Oh, God, I forget how long this movie was, but it was long. It's, it's uh, an hour and 38 minutes. Fuck yeah. Yeah, which is... Listen, we, we're tired of the $300 million budgets that make shitty movies, and we're tired of the three-hour movies. Let's yeah. get back. Let's get back to movies that are a little bit crisper, a little bit, you know, move a little bit sharper pace here, folks. Yeah. I mean, uh, Bill Pullman actually acted alongside a real Jaguar, a Viper, and a Tarantula. I forgot about that. They put a fucking Tarantula oh, yeah. in the box with him. I, that... Uh, those now, I, I do those get defanged? I think they defang them or they depoison them or something. They get rid of their poison they, sacks. They, they do something like that. But the way that this says it in the trivia, it says the animals were raised in captivity, captivity, mm -hmm. and were relatively tame. <laughs> that didn't mean that they were never there. There's always a chance that they'll do something, you know. Even if the, I mean, but I'm sure the viper was milked for any kind of, yeah, you know, to get the poison out. The Jaguar was probably fine as long as they didn't like, you know, but I'll say this. I mean, look at Siegfried and Roy, even if they've yeah. been, you know, captivity for years, you sometimes fuck around and find out with wild animals. That so. Jaguar was cute. It, it was, was, a, it was but, a total baby. It was like it had its little paw in its mouth and everything. She was a certified good girl. I didn't see any uh, Jaguar balls on there, so I'm assuming she's a lady Jaguar, but you know. Listen, there is a guy on TikTok. I don't know if you've seen his videos, but he has like this, uh, uh, I want to say it's a, a puma or something like that that he's raised in, you know, captivity. Yeah. And and he plays around with it. He It like does this thing where it acts like it's going to attack him and then it jumps on him and it's just like licking his face and all yes. that, which is cute. But every time that, I mean, he does like these montage videos where it's like, you know, it sneaks up on him and attacks him uh, just out of fun. I, every time I'm like, this is the time this dude dies. This is the it's time. Gonna I mean, it's, it's time. <laughs> it's happening. Oh my god. Um, yeah. It, it's always a possibility, and you just kind of have to be aware of that. If this is how I go, this is how I go. Because there's this lady that lives among bears in I forget what state, and they they're just comfortable with her house. It is allegedly illegal to hunt these bears in this state, but it's still happening. Well, they can't hunt on our property. So these bears have learned, hey, we're safe on this property, and she doesn't touch them, at least not. She gets real close. One of them knows how to open the door to her house and close it. Like she tells him, Mr. she calls him Mr. Doorman, and she's like, okay, close my door. And she might have to tell him two or three times, but he does. He grabs the handle, closes the fucking door. Sometimes the babies will drag her rug out of her um, house and play with it on the front lawn, and she's just like, whatever, you know. Um, but she's just like, look, I just respect them and I just don't engage them. I mean, other than to tell them no, if she, if they're getting too close, they listen to her. It's fucking, she got one. She taught one how to sit <laughs> every day. People tell her, you know, this could be your last day on earth. And she's like, I'm very careful with them. I'm not saying it can't happen. And I tell other people to exercise caution. Don't do what I do. Like, you know, did they? Uh, is that the same woman that has the bear that visits her house and like it opens the door yes. up and then she tells it to close the door mm -hmm. and it does it or whatever? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. There's two of them now. There was once it was just a boy bear. Um, she called him Mr. Doorman. And now there's a, there's a mom with her baby bears, but they feel safe on her property because they know they can't be hunted there. Well, that's all well and good, but a mama bear, it doesn't take much to provoke. Mm -mm. I mean, 100%. 
Even yeah. if it's black bear, I mean, now it is a black, black bear. Bears, yeah. You know, they don't normally, I mean, scare me, but if I see a smaller one, I'm like, where the fuck's the mama bear? Let me get the fuck out of yeah. here. Cause if she thinks her baby's threatened, no, she brings, different, she brings her babies know. to the porch. <laughs> she brings her, she goes up there with her babies. And then she even yelled at her baby one time and how this lady held her camera still while that bear growled because I didn't think the bear was getting too close to the entryway and the mama bear knows they're not allowed to go inside the house. At least the mama bear has been keeping that boundary. And the baby bear got a little too close. And the mom was like, Rah! and it was the loudest noise I had ever heard. And that lady did not jolt. She didn't shake nothing. She's holding that camera. I'm like, how? I, I could never. And I know she's been living among them for the past 20 or so years. But still, so was, yeah, it wasn't bear, wasn't the grizzly man, wasn't he also <laughs> around them for so long until he got eaten by one? Yeah, I mean, he, like, lived with them forever and uh, thought that he knew everything about them. And then, you know, one day it just it was a different story. I mean, it's one of those things where you don't know what's going on with the animal. And, I mean, it, you know, it's just like humans. You can be sitting there talking to somebody who's your best friend and they have a bad day and they're a total dick to you. Yeah. I mean, if, if a bear's a total dick to you, then you might not be alive anymore. So Exactly. I mean, or that bear gets a little extra hungry and rations are low. Well, I think that you could probably feed your way out of that, but I mean, as long as they're not a grizzly, but I yeah. mean, you know, but that one grizzly man, he was totally fucking stupid. I mean, grizzlies yeah. are a whole different ball game. Uh, according to this, the characters of Lucy and Celine and Louis Mozart are actually one person in real life. They're both, uh, they're based on a voodoo priest named Marcel Pierre, who was the one that Wade Davis actually talked to, uh, in the seventies when he was doing his research. Yeah. Um, uh, it's, he basically he uh davis it happened similar to how it was in the movie that part we was talking about where he went to mozart's place and you know uh tried to get tried to pay him for the zombie potion and like you know they bickered back and forth about how much they you know it was worth um but according to this uh davis stated that nothing in the formula that he was shown by uh pierre was actually uh could produce the effects of zombification and, of course, there was no actual intervention by the government or secret police forces to stop Davis because that was something that, you know, uh, Craven added in the movie. Yeah. You know, it was an extra thing. Uh, and, actually, I want, it, it was the supernatural stuff that Wade Davis, in the, in, the special, in the special features of the disc I was watching, he commented on that disappointed him the most. He said he just it, it, he, he liked the portrayal that they were doing for the most part. But then when it got to supernatural stuff, it was a little too, you know, out there and a little too stupid for him. So, uh, inspire this movie inspired the song voodoo by Godsmack. Uh, have you ever heard that song? I haven't, but I'm it's like literally just the main singer saying voodoo, voodoo, like the whole song's him doing that. And then he, he, it's like, he he does a little thing in the middle where he's like, I'm not the one who's so far away uh, when the snake bite enters my vein or whatever. Which I know I guess, that song, you know, yes. I didn't yeah. know that was. <laughs> it's based upon this, so there you go. He was definitely on whatever fucking Bill Pullman had at the beginning of the film. Whatever shrooms Bill Pullman took, that's what this fucking singer was on when he was like, let me make this song out of, inspired by this here movie, you know? Uh, 
Dargent Petrod is actually based on a real life character too loosely. Uh, there was a, car- a person by the name of Luckner Cambrone who lived from 1930 to 2006, who was a commander of the secret police. So, okay. the dream uh, police. No, I'm just kidding. Secret police. Uh, actors Michael Go and Michael Jackson from The Serpent and Rainbow have played Alfred Pennyworth uh, in Batman. The Batman movies have each played. So um, there you go. I mean. Uh, this film is Bill Pullman's first horror film. Um, the three that followed were Brain Dead, Lake Placid. I forgot he was in Lake Placid. That's a pretty good movie, too. When uh, bad animals go bad. Yep. And The Grudge in 2004. He was actually in that one. I forgot. He played the uh, the husband or the, the guy at the beginning of the movie that offs himself by falling out of the building. And it's actually a pretty effective scene. Uh, this movie was released in the same year as Nightmare on Elm Street 4, The Dream Master. Shocker. <laughs> kind of weird. Uh, of course, you know, uh, Craven disavowed any of those sequels that were not his. So there you go. Uh, let's see. Let's see. And that's that's it as far as the any of the special, you know, trivia about the movie that's worth a damn. So uh, what? So we've already kind of set our feelings on the movie. So it's kind of just a, you know, rinse, repeat, wrap up here. Yeah. But I mean... What what do you think about it overall? I mean, like I said, I I prefer the movie whenever it kind of sticks to more realistic stuff. I I did like the zombie appearance in this movie. I'll give them that. Yes. That 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 female zombie. Well, I even like how they portrayed Kristoff because he's yes. an interesting take on a real what a real yes. zombie would be like. But the I like the the desiccated look of the female zombie in this because I mean it's it's a it's a look you don't see in a lot of zombie movies. I mean, they don't look like that. For well, the most part. she makes sense because you gotta you gotta remember there's a lot of toxins involved with what's going on here, and he is he's probably been poisoned at this point, and so it makes sense that he's seeing things. So I yeah. can, and you're gonna make up in your head what's being presented to you. They're talking about zombies, which, by the way, real quick, what was the name of the drug? They they were talking about it at the table before the the white woman got possessed and attacked. What's his name? Oh, um, the one that they came up with, I can't even remember the name of it. It, it did it have like a zombie name to it? It had or a something? zombie name to it, and it sounded just like. You know, z- z- Zombophil or something like that. It was so funny. It was a really good name, though, and I, I tried to Google it, and I couldn't find it. Hey, hey listen, the uh, Dead Rising video game and the movie that came after, or movies that came after, they have a product to keep you from turning into a zombie called Zombrex. That's a pretty yes. good name for a drug, too. It was something very similar to that. <laughs> so, anyways, um, so, you know, in terms of seeing the the um, priestess, the voodoo priestess or whatever she was, sorceress, that is, is easily explained. Everything else, a little bit too much. So the, the stuff will pay trod. I mean, well, the scene, the scene where he's getting his scrotum like stabbed yeah. to the chair. Now, that's very effective because you can imagine, yes. you know, a dictator doing that. But the shit at the end of it's just way too out. Yeah, there. it's just it too far really out is. there. But I really liked it for, for the for the actual realization of these are zombies that do exist in Haiti. There is something going on. People are more aware of it now. They've heard of it. And it sucks because maybe. It, it's going to scare people to go visit there. Just don't go to the slums of Haiti. You're going to be fine, you know? <laughs> uh, it's, 
to me, the movie is, like I said, it, it's it's pretty solid, and I was enjoying most of it. And I really dig that scene, the, the scene that everybody talks about with this movie where he's buried alive. I mean, yes. that scene is terrifying in a different way. Like, not a jump scare, but like, oh, shit. Like, because, I mean, even, even without zombification, the amount of people that were, you know, buried alive before they uh, realized uh, or better ways to 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 detect when you were actually dead was surprisingly high. They started putting like bells in graveyards so that like with little uh, wires attached into the coffin, just so that people who were freshly buried, you know, buried could like ring the bell and let the, the grave diggers or, you know, the caretakers at night know if they'd been buried alive or not. Yeah. Oh, I mean, so the, the that, that's a real thing. Well, it's funny because when he was in the grave and he was buried and everything and he's screaming and you could technically hear it, I was like, oh, well, fucking Winston, whoever his name is, is going to come and save you. I just knew that was going to happen. <laughs> yeah, well, he well, he got uh, he got lucky because that, you know, I mean, normally what they would have done is they came back and dug him up themselves. But I yeah. guess they knew that that him. And, and that's part of it too. The theory is is that you have to be in you know in this culture and believe that such things can happen because yeah, like, just like he did in the movie, he was recovering from the poison, but like he didn't believe he was dead. Like he he was like, no, I was poisoned. Like this is bullshit. I'm not a zombie. So it didn't really work on him because he didn't buy into the whole thing. You know? Yeah, so. I I get that. Um, it was either that going to be that or grave grave robbers. That's true, and they did set up the fact that they were grave robbers, so oh, yeah. that would have worked as far as like a way to get him out of the situation. Definitely. So I would, but, like I said, I'm going to reiterate that zombie season has kicked off really good and easy for me. <laughs> it's been a very smooth takeoff. Cannot guarantee that it's not going to be a bumpy ride. Are you even going to be able to make it? Uh, the next episode we are covering the uh, basically I am legend, uh, you know, because it's. It's the book that it's based that that the whole thing's based upon is what inspired George Romero to make his ghouls yeah. slash zombies. You know, so we're watching so the Omega Man and we're we're watching the Omega Man. Uh, Last Man on Earth is the one with Vincent Price, which mm-hmm. is an older film, and you're probably gonna have your issues with that one. Uh, but it's not old as in like 1930s. It's like 1950s, but still black and white or something like that. Yeah, um, I've been wanting to watch the Omega Man forever. I have not. I cannot tell you why I haven't. Uh, uh, now, we haven't decided. Uh, we haven't officially said, but are we going to lump in the, the, you know, the Will Smith version yeah. of the, the movie? Okay. I want to because uh, I will spoiler alert you kind of right now. And I say kind of because it's been at least, what, a decade? I don't remember when that one came out. Um, I liked it when it came out. Not going to say that that's going to remain the same. I've always been disappointed in it, and I'll tell you why. Because I read the book, and the book oh, is okay. fucking amazing. And and I watched the Vincent Price version, and it's actually surprisingly, you know, uh, it, it it's you know loyal to the book in a sense. Like yeah. it does a better job of representing what's in the book. And no. I mean, I don't I don't hate the Will Smith version of no. it, but I just I mean, it's it's just one of those things. Now, Reverend. We have discussed, and we will be discussing a specific book in this season about how there's very rare a book that the movie can hold a candle to the book. I think you and I have agreed. Well, wait, you haven't read uh, Warm Bodies, but I, I have. I have not read Warm Bodies. Oh, my God. Have you considered an audio version of it maybe while you're at work? 
I can probably try to look into that. I don't know. I mean, and see <laughs> if I can have it done by then, as long as it's not a real lengthy one or whatever to try to do. It, but. it shouldn't be because the book itself is pretty small. Have you ever done Audible before? Yeah, I've got it. Oh, darn it. Okay, I was going to say, because has anyone ever gifted you a book? Uh, No, they, okay. they haven't. I think I can gift you um a book, and I don't know if I have that in my library. If you've never been gifted a book before, I can gift you a book for free. Even if your okay. account is not active. Well, it's active right now because they had like the special deal and I'm like, oh, yeah. Oh, you're talking about the five so. minutes or not five minutes, the five dollars a month or something. Yeah. Yeah. I have that too. Did you also know that on Spotify and Spotify, we are not being sponsored by you, but if you would like to sponsor us, we're looking for sponsors. But did you know on Spotify, you can actually you get 15 hours free a month? Oh, you don't. Never mind. <laughs> just kidding. Just kidding. I get 15 hours free. <laughs> uh. But anyways, what I was going to say about all that is that I understand that that books are going to have like uh, mm -hmm. there, there's there's things that they that you can't do a movie version of. But even the Omega Man captures a part of the story that I don't feel like the Will Smith version yeah. does in the sense that he's like, I mean, just the uh, apocalyptic feel of the place. Like there's something about that new movie and the way that they did it that I don't get the vibe like I do from the, the original story. It's like, cause it really does play up the fact that he's like this last man who's on earth. And like every night he's getting attacked by these hordes of yeah. like the, the undead or whatever. And like he, and during the day he goes out and hunts them down to try to thin out their numbers so that he can, you know, he's, he's, because they're getting better about trying to break into his house, no matter what he does, you know, to keep yeah. them out. So. And so this is the book. I know the movie's the same, but is, the book is a little more telling of it all, or? It, it is, and it kind of, like, feeds into more of the, uh, you know, what he has to do on a daily basis to survive, and then, like, uh, and then the flip, because that's the twist about I Am Legend, the reason it's named that, is that there's a group of, like, infected people um, who have, they're not like the zombies who are kind of mindless and just trying to break into his house. They actually have formed a society. They're trying to survive, you know, even though they, they can't go out in the day because the sunlight, you know, hurts them, you know, without having like a lot of makeup on and like some other stuff, but they kind of figured out how to do that. But they, they were, he scares them and he is the legend. He's the boogeyman to them because he's the day walker that has no, uh, uh, weaknesses like they do, and he's stalking them while they're asleep and yeah. killing them. So that's the reason it's called I Am Legend is because it flips the end, and he's the monster, you know, to this new, uh, uh, you know, version of the humans. And the one, the line that I love best about the book, and I guess I'll repeat this in the next episode, but like he, he's a scientist, and he's looked at their blood, and he knows that their blood is degenerating. And so they'll become mindless like the other zombies, even though they don't realize it. And he laughs as they're killing him at the end of it because he knows that they're going to break down and become the exact monsters that they think that they've surpassed. Yeah. So, Damn. Uh, that's, yeah. That's, but like in the movies, like I don't, they, like I said, I think they catch a lot of that in the Vincent Price version. It's a little bit, it's a slower movie. They don't like, play up a lot of the stuff, but they capture a lot of that stuff. And then the thing that's good about the Omega man is that they, uh, really play up like more of the, like, you know, he's the threat of the zombies and stuff because like, I mean, he's, he, it's in more of an action movie. And then the Will Smith is like kind of a weird combination of the two, 
but uh, the CGI of the zombies is what makes me kind of not like the new one as as well. So yeah. they're not really zombies; they're vampires. But whatever they they do not like the vampires that you think of in the Dracula sense. So, um, and 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 they're they are the next step because they are clearly what inspired Romero. Like he he's he, he even said it at one point. He's like, I read that book and I thought it was pretty cool. So you know, I made a a twist on it. You know. Yeah. Okay. So for the lineup. Uh, we made a rough draft, and we said December was going to be, you know, White Zombie, Serpent of the Rainbow, Anna and the Apocalypse installed. So we did that. <clears throat> January, all I have is Night of the Living Dead and the remake. So we're adding I Am Legend to that. Well, I, I Am Legend and its variants will be what we'll do first before Night of the Living Dead. Perfect. Because it is the, it's the one last step between the two, you know, the voodoo and the new zombie or whatever. Yeah. Uh, and there's one other thing that I want to give credit to Cody for. I didn't realize this, but the Smurfs technically uh, came up with a version of the zombie right before Romero's version in a roundabout series. It was around the same time. So that's an interesting little th- tidbit that comes up around all this. <laughs> okay. So Omega Man, last man on earth. And I have not, have I seen, I don't know what you're talking about with the Smurfs and the zombies. I'll, I'll bring it up. I'll okay. put it in a little history section. But yeah, it's, I didn't know about it until he brought it up. It was, it's weird, but it, they really do like function like zombies. So yeah, I know we've talked about moving Paranorman around a little bit because we talked about that. Um, but we've also talked about, fuck. Um, have we put Scooby Zombie Island on here? Oh, yeah, we did. Shaun of the Dead and, um, no, that's Zombieland. Never mind. Because we have to do th- Scooby Zombie Island. I- I think when we do Zombie Island, we need to do Paranorman with it because that's like the kid zombie movies, you know, yeah. basically or whatever. That's all I have in October, but October is, is a lot of friendlier things is what I have so far. You did say Lucio Fulci films. I'm not that sure if that's how you pronounce it. Yeah, it's it's Lucio Fulci, yeah. Okay. Um, you have some of those in there, but then Paranorman, Scooby, and then a Community we're going to have to work around some yeah. of this stuff. There's, there's a lot that, I mean, cause we really need to end the, the, the very last thing in October needs to be, uh, you know, the day of the dead from George Romero, because it is a Halloween. It, it's got a Halloween vibe to it. I mean, even if it, cause it's actually set near during Halloween, it, it, even if it's not really blatant in the movie, cause the world's basically over. At that yeah. Point, but <clears throat> So. But yeah, that's kind of what we have going on. So we're moving from, you know, the voodoo zombie next to the vampires and it shouldn't fit in the season, but it does. And that's, that's kind of the reason why we're covering. Yeah. It's just, that's just how it's going to happen, guys. Just let it happen. Okay. Just, just deal with it. Let it, let it linger. Let it kind of just mellow out and be out there. So yeah, we also have some friends that are going to be joining us on this podcast here soon. That's not going to be frequent. So if that's not your thing, I know sometimes I look at, listen to podcasts and you have somebody new and I'm like, Ugh, who's this, you know, <laughs> but this is a person that truly does not like horror films. Like she doesn't hate them. She just, they scare the fuck out of her. She don't like it. So yeah. that'll be interesting to have her on. Cause if you think I'm scared, <laughs> Yeah. yeah, what was it she was wanting to come on and talk about? Which movie? It's not even a scary movie. It's Death Becomes Her. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's yeah. our, okay. that's part of our, I think that's part of our Valentine's. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a love movie in a sense. Yeah. Okay. So. All right. Uh, so anyways, for me, this movie is a three. You said it was a 3.5. Mm-hmm. That 
that sounds about right. I mean, I don't, I don't hate that for, for that movie. Uh, and, and we'll catch you next time on this. So with that, peace be with you and with your spirit.